Welcome to an Impact Ministries production, brought to you by Impact Ministries World Changers, changing the way the world sees God. Learn how you can become a world changer today by visiting www.impactministries.com or drjimrichards.com. Now, here's your host, founder of Impact Ministries and developer of Heart Physics, the self-development program that changed thousands of lives around the world, Dr. Jim Richards. Hey, I'm Jim Richards. I want to welcome you to message number one in a brand new series. Man, I hope you are enjoying the fact that we keep bringing new material out to you and making it available to you. Listen, we've got over 2,000 messages uh, at impactministries.com that you have access to anytime you want to, to listen to, to enjoy, to share with your friends and, and your family. As a matter of fact, that's a great way to study the Bible together with your family. Pick one of these subjects that we have, and uh, many most of the time, the, the message or the topic that you're interested in will have anywhere from four to as many as 10 different messages in it. And you know what? You can take that and you can go through that with your family. You can go through that with your friends. You can go through that with a home group. You can go through that in a church setting. You can use that in, in, in ways to just have ministry that's going out to people all around you. So anyhow, all of that's available to you. But this new message is called The Fire of His Presence. Man, I just hope I can do this justice if you want to know the really truth. You know, God is called an all-consuming fire. And, uh, you know, there was one of the courses that we used to sing to that passage of Scripture, all-consuming fire, you're my heart's desire. And I'm telling you, I always loved singing that because I always loved thinking about and connecting to God in around this idea of, of passion. It's kind of interesting. Uh, the word fire uh, has, in, in the original language has some very different connotations than what we would attach to it uh, just in the English language. As a matter of fact, in the Hebrew language, uh, it's kind of interesting because words and letters in the Hebrew language I always have definitions that can go to the light side or to the dark side. In other words, they can go to the they can go to the place where they bring you life, or they can go to the place where they bring you death. Now, the 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 word itself isn't the life, and the word itself isn't the death, but it's a it's what is in your heart, is the belief of your heart, and very specifically whether or not you're yielding to God and allowing Him to take you to the life side. Without the Spirit of God leading us and teaching us and empowering us to walk in His Word, the real truth is we just have information that ultimately always just weighs us down. Now listen, I don't know about you, but I have never been one who could live uh, a, a life without passion. You know, when I came to the Lord, when I gave my life to Jesus, my greatest fear wasn't really that I would get in sin again. My greatest fear wasn't that I would go back to living the life that I was getting out of. I wanted out of that life. I didn't want to be a part of that life. I, I had every intention of walking with God for the rest of my life. Uh, I knew that who I was outside of Jesus was the source of every single pain that I had uh, emotionally and physically. But what I feared the most was getting bored. I was afraid I would give my life to Jesus and the passion and the enthusiasm 
that I had for approaching life would just melt away and I would just be miserably unhappy. I don't just want to be in love. I want to be passionately in love. I don't just want to be in the ministry. I care less about being in the ministry. I want to uh, passionate, compassionately and passionately minister to people. I want I want a fire that burns inside me. And I want that fire to be the fire of God. And I said, we're going to learn some really interesting things about the fire of God and, uh, and all the positive aspects that that has. But, but I, just, I just want you to realize that the, the Hebrew letter Shem, it, repre- it can represent fire. And when we think about the fire of God, we think about something that, that is all-consuming, and we think about something that will that will consume our lives, but it consumes our lives in a good way, not in a dominating way, not in a negative way, not in a forceful way, but it consumes our lives with a with a passion that uh, really drives us out be out of our boundaries, that drives us out of our comfort zone. You know, you you, you read these passages of scriptures. I, I don't even know how many times. Uh, that you that you would find this in the Gospels, where Jesus would be moved with compassion. Matthew nine thirty five says, when Jesus went uh, about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion for them because they were weary and scattered like sheep having no shepherd. You know, I'm going to tell you something. People who have passion are not weary. They're not worn out. They are not, they're not on the verge of just collapsing and giving up. People who have passion have, uh, man, they have an inner energy. They have something that drives them. Uh, you, you can spot people with passion, just sometimes just the way they walk. What happens when they walk into a room? What happens when they get engaged in a conversation? And it's not just some dull religious conversation where you talk about the truth, but some, but it never lights you up. You know, the fire of God in our heart it not only is designed to to really uh, ins- have us inspired and motivated and consumed with who He is, but it's something that should be contagious that we would bring to other people, and we would do it effortlessly. Now, listen, don't get under condemnation. As I'm going through this material, you may discover that, you know what, that you haven't had a lot of passion uh, in your walk with God. You don't have a lot of passion in your life, but uh, I, I, don't beat yourself up. Don't start worrying about what's wrong with you, because in this series, we're going to talk a lot about how to recover passion. We're going to talk a lot about how to maybe find passion for your first, for the first time in your life. You know, sadly, and it, and it is so sad that the great majority of believers have never won anybody to Jesus, not a family member, not a friend. And don't get condemned about that because I'm not beating you up. I just want you to, I want you to understand a really interesting point. The, the statistics I'm sure have changed because I haven't read these statistics since back in the, in the seventies or eighties. And uh, the statistics show that that there was a very, very, very small percentage of believers that ever wanted anybody to Jesus. But what was interesting is the great majority, I cannot remember the exact percentage, but it was probably over 70 or 80 percent 
of the believers who did win someone to Jesus, they generally did it in their first year. And after that first year, they never won anybody to the Lord again. And you look at that and you think, well, what, what happened? This person was out talking and witnessing and sharing and ministering to people. What happened? Well, I'll tell you what happened. They lost their passion. They lost the fire. They lost that all-consuming fire that, that always moved them uh, to, to help people. They always looked at people and, and saw the needs that people had in their lives, saw uh, you know the hurting people. You know, Matthew 14, 13 says this. It says, when Jesus heard about these about all, all these people who were coming, this was this was uh, whenever he had worked some miracles. It says that he departed from there by boat to a desert place by himself. But when the multitudes heard it, they followed him on foot from uh, the cities. And when Jesus went out, he saw a great multitude, and he was moved with compassion for them and healed their sick. You know what? This is such a phenomenal thing to understand that even Jesus himself, now remember, a lot of people just don't get this. A lot of people just don't want to believe this, that Jesus, he was a son of God. He was a son of man. He had all of the limitations that we as human beings have, yet he was a son of God. And I'm telling you, this is confusing for people. This doesn't calculate for people. There's no way you can work this out in a mathematical equation. How could he be God and man? Well, he was, and if he hadn't been, we wouldn't have salvation that, that we have. But as a man, and the Bible says in Acts 10, 38, he was a man filled with the Holy Spirit. In other words, he ministered to people by allowing the Holy Spirit to work through him just like we do. He, he never ministered to people. He never worked a miracle. He never got healed the sick as the son of God. He always did that as the son of man. And he was showing us who we could be and what we could have if, in fact, we would follow him as our Lord, as our model, as our example. But the interesting thing is this. If he was a man and always attempted like we are and always, and that's what the Bible says, then one of the things we realize, he had days that he felt bad. He had days that he was consumed with grief. Can you imagine knowing that you had come to save the world and the very people that you came to rejected you? You know, for most of us, we get some little small rejection somewhere. And that's it. We're done with church. We're done with Christians. We're done with God. We're done with the Bible because it consumes. It doesn't take anything to consume all of our, all of our passion for God. But Jesus understood really how to keep that fire burning. You know, when you think about the, the fire of God, one of the things that's very interesting about this, first of all, is on the uh, uh, brazen altar, that fire that they used to sacrifice all of the, all the, the sacrifices that were brought in to worship God with, that fire was not started by man. That fire was started by God. Now, there's something I understand about that. And by the way, any fire that was brought that was brought to the that altar or to the altar of incense or that was brought before the Lord that did not come from that fire that God Himself started was considered to be strange fire. Now, I want you to understand. I'm making a really a a very subtle distinction here. I understand this. I understand that that this passion, this 
this thing about getting up and being enthused, this thing about getting into situations where you can't help but minister to people. You can't help but reach out to them. You can't help but walk in love. You know, this is something that has to be birthed by God. Strange fire is when we work it up and it's just emotional. And I'm telling you more and more and more. And you know, I, I'm not against psychology. I'm not against. I'm not against anything that helps people. But if it is not biblically congruent, if it is not consistent with Scripture, then the real truth is all it does is strengthen our flesh. It just makes us more and more carnal. It makes us depend on ourselves and our intellect and our knowledge uh, more than than we depend on God. And the thing about this this strange fire. Uh, that this passion that we stir up, if if it, if we don't use that to get ourselves motivated to connect with God deeply and intimately, then the real truth is it will never sustain us for very long. It will eventually uh, dissipate, and we will find ourselves cycling over and over and over again until eventually we are just right back. We're bored. We're frustrated. We don't want to talk about God. We really don't even want to pray. You know, all of these things that we ought to do. And man, I hate that concept of ought to. One of the things, uh, my first uh, couple of years in church, one of the things I started realizing was that in most of the sermons that I was hearing by good men, by good people, but they were what I would call ought to sermons. You said, what, what, what do you mean ought to? These would be sermons that would tell me, what I ought to be doing, but did not equip me to do it. Somebody would tell me I ought to pray. I'm like, well, I, I know I ought to pray. I remember, I remember one time there was a, a fellow that came to our church and he had come from another church and and the other church, good church, good pastor, but but they were very involved with Dr. Paul Young Cho, uh, who, who developed Prayer Mountain Seoul, Korea. And so they had this mountain there where their church members would go to pray. And when they were facing really deep problems, as often as not, before they would even counsel with them or, or minister to them one-on-one, -on -one, they would send them to Prayer Mountain to fast and pray for a few days. And so his pastor was trying to move his church in that direction. And unfortunately, he didn't build the foundation first. He didn't, he didn't, he didn't teach people how to pray. He didn't model it. And so it just became something that, that you that you talk about and so he was facing this really incredibly difficult situation and so his his pastor told him he said they had a little prayer mountain that they had started so his pastor told him, said you go to prayer mountain and fast and pray for a few days and his response was if i could fast and pray for a few days i wouldn't have a problem if i could fast and pray for a few days i wouldn't be here asking you for counsel i wouldn't be asking you for input and see that's the problem so many times we are told what we ought to do, but the real truth is we turn around and we look at the real world and we're like, I don't, I'm not really enthused to do this. I'm not really inspired. I, you know, I'm not, I, I, I'm not being vigilant. I am not consumed with the life and the fire of God. I'm not really excited about life. And, you know, sometimes we beat ourselves up spiritually because we're not excited about life. And we think, well, I'm just not excited about God. Well, you know, maybe you're just not excited about life in general. And I'll tell you, I want this entire series to be about helping you recover passion or maybe even find 
your passion for the first time uh, since, you know, since you have become a believer. So the passion produces power. Now, now when you study the word, the English word passion in the New Testament, it's almost always negative. It's always usually about the passions of our flesh, the passions that drive us to do uh, highly destructive things, steal money, commit adultery, be selfish, self-centered, lie, all those kinds of things. But what's really interesting in the Greek language, the word passion is doesn't have to be used negatively. The word passion in the Greek refers to something that, that actually mentally stirs us up, but it can be good or bad. It can be something that's working for us. It could be something that's working against us. But the key thing is, this kind of goes back to the same thing we're talking about, the Hebrew language, where the Hebrew language, a word can have a light side or a dark side. And the difference just depends on what is in our heart. So, so passion itself ushers us into a realm where we are we're motivated to pursue whatever it is that we're passionate about. That means if we're passionate about something that's sinful and destructive, then we are going to pursue that. That's going to drive us. If we're passionate about something that is godly, if we're passionate about something that gives life, then we are going to pursue that. You know, uh, in the book of Proverbs, uh, chapter 29, verse 18, it says this, in the King James Version, rather, it says, um, where there's no vision, the people perish. Now, that word perish, some translations say they cast off restraints. Some say that they run wild. And so this word for vision, we we read that, and I think most of the time we jump to the conclusion that this is talking about getting the supernatural vision from God. Well, yeah, if you get a supernatural vision from God, it's going to have incredibly profound effects on your life. But actually, this word vision in the Hebrew really is talking about us developing a mental image or a mental picture of something that we're pursuing. You see, one of the things I've learned about how we work as human beings from a biblical perspective is that if we have no target that we have decided, this is where I'm going, this is what I am pursuing, if we don't have a clear target, then we have no motivation, and also we have no boundaries. We This is where we cast off restraints. This is where we start uh, uh, painting outside of the lines. This is where we go out and do other things to try to make our life enjoyable, pleasant, fulfilling, and rewarding. But if we have a clear mental picture of what we want, and then, then it, if we bathe that in prayer and bring that into fruition because we're walking with God and we're you know we're, we're following him into the fulfillment of it then it doesn't take long to have some good experiences of fulfillment to get to the place to where every time we create uh, uh, this this inner picture of where we're going and what we're doing and why we're doing it that that passion will absolutely come alive so, when I talk about the word passion, I'm talking about the word passion probably in a very broad sense. It could it could have to do passion, and we're you know it's going to get into excitement. It's going to overlap with motivation, 
And, and all of these words are, they're not synonyms, not exactly alike, but they are different aspects of what happens when we have passion in our heart. You know, there was a time in my life when I left the pulpit ministry for a year. Now, during that period of time, I was facing monumental health issues, and and uh, it was it was even questionable if I was going to live. And uh, uh, but that was not the greatest discouragement that I was facing. I was facing discouragement because I was ministering to people in ways that I had been taught to uh, in Bible school. But, and I, you know, I was fortunate. I went to a great Bible college. Uh, I, I tell you, I, I learned the Bible, and people who went that Bible, that Bible college, they knew the Scriptures in and out because it, it, was, it was built on the Word of God. So I, this is not a complaint against the Bible college. I'm not, I'm not speaking negatively of the Bible college. But uh, when it came to how to uh, be in the ministry, so to speak, how to how you relate it to people as a pastor, building a church. It was all so incredibly codependent. And this was back in the 70s. The word codependent wasn't even in the dictionary. We, you know, I understood the, uh, uh, the tendencies that, that codependency would produce, but uh, it, the word was not even in the dictionary. So I had I recognize these things in people. I recognize these things in myself, but I really have no word to uh, to use it. But during that period of time, and I'm not going to go into the whole story. I might recap some of it a little bit later or go into some other details a little bit later. During that period of time, I made up my mind that I was not going to be in the ministry. And let me just say this. The main reason I reached that conclusion was because there was a codependent relationship between me and the congregation. And I began to realize that even though I wasn't trying to do it, somehow that church was being built off of me, my personal charisma, my personal enthusiasm. And as long as I was at the helm, then things really went like they were supposed to. But through this sickness and in and out of the hospital for, you know, for over a year, I started realizing that every time I was off the scene for a little while, this this thing would just fall apart. And I didn't intend for it to be that way. I didn't plan for it to be that way, but it was that way. And all I knew was this. This is not what ministry is. This is not supposed to be. This is not what it looks like to bear fruit in ministry. And and, and if this is what it is, I am, I am done with pastoring. I will never... I had no interest in ever being in pulpit ministry again. So I, re I resigned. I moved away. I, I got an unlisted phone number. I, di I did not leave a forwarding address. I just pretty much wanted to be left alone. Now, what's interesting is that year that I was out of pulpit ministry, I learned some things that... Uh, uh, Never learned in Bible college. I just got them out of the scripture. I learned some things. And from this, you know, and by the way, I was still winning people to Jesus. I was still, I still had a Bible study in my home, developing disciples. I was, I was getting people into churches and, uh, you know, I, I was doing a lot of really, really healthy things. 
but I still wasn't really fulfilling my destiny because my passion for my destiny had disappeared. Now, it didn't disappear, you know, all the reasons that people often think. It disappeared because inside me, I lost this vision. I lost this mental picture of what I wanted to spend my life doing. You know, the first three years I was in ministry, three and a half years I was in ministry, I nearly never preached inside of a church. I didn't want to preach inside of a church. I didn't want to deal with congregations. I wanted to go reach the people that the church didn't know how to reach. I'm not saying that critically. I'm just saying they didn't know how. I wanted to reach those people. I wanted to raise up disciples. I wanted to glorify Jesus. And so and so, um, the more I was baptized into the process of ministry, as we understand it today, really, the more I lost the fire and the passion that I had, because the the more I learned about ministry, the more I the more I educated and developed myself about ministry, the more I realized that no matter how good the intentions were of the people that were teaching me this stuff, that I, I would never, ever, ever see in ministry what I had a heart to see. I would never see in ministry what Jesus saw in ministry. I'd never see in ministry what the apostles saw in ministry. And I absolutely could not live that. Well, interestingly, and I may talk to you about this a little bit later on, interestingly, in that year of being out of pulpit ministry, still actually still winning the law, still witnessing to people, still had a Bible study in my home, all that kind of stuff. Uh, in that year, I was able to find my way into what it would look like for me to fulfill my call in a way that I could follow Jesus and see the kinds of results that I saw. Now, you may not be in the ministry. I'm I'm just using ministry as an example, but you know what? We're all involved in things that we got into for our passion, and, and suddenly we cool off, or over time we cool off. We don't know why we cool off. We don't know why there we, we no longer have passion for these things. But I just want to tell you what. I've discovered that, that when we know how to partner with God, when we know how to connect with God and pursue these things with God's help and God's strength, there's a passion that comes alive inside of us that will sustain us through just about anything. I want to make sure you're aware of our Christmas promotion. Every year we do something to give you some phenomenal prices on our products, our books, our heart physics programs, everything that we've got, you can get a great price on. Man, this is a great way to invest in yourself. Buy yourself a Christmas present, buy yourself all the books and all the messages that you have been wanting and share these with other people. And also when you do that, you don't only invest in yourself, but that provides resources for us to take the gospel to the ends of the earth. Go to impactministries.com, drjimrichards.com. Check out all the free material that we have there. Also, you may want to consider becoming a world changer. You may want to help us raise up one billion disciples around the world, which is what we are endeavoring to do this very moment. And so dive in here with us. Check out what's going on. Every single Thursday, I release a new video message. Uh, free of charge on our website. So check out everything we got and share this with people. If you're ready to light the fire in your heart again, you join me every single week. I'll talk to you again real soon. 
Thanks for listening to the Weekly Impact Ministries World Changers Podcast with Dr. Jim Richards. If you like what you've just heard, we encourage you to share our web address, www.impactministries.com or drjimrichards.com with friends and colleagues. Be sure to check out the resources section of our website from previous broadcasts and our videos. Join us next week for another great message by Dr. Jim Richards.